Sunday Sermons from Trinity UMC in Lincoln, a podcast to help on the faith journey. Now on to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Slater. Today is Easter, of course, and like, uh, like I, one, of my, one thing that I like to do as a pastor is to challenge uh, my church to read through one of the Gospels every other Lent. Uh, and it makes a difference when you, when you follow that entire story, when you don't let Holy Week and Easter stand on its own, but instead go through it. And this year we've been doing the Gospel of John. The other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they talk a lot about the who, what, when, and where, the, uh, the stories themselves. You know, they were trying to get those details down before they started to be lost or memories started to, to, to wander and change a little bit. By the time John came around, though, in his gospel, most of the stories had already been told. And so he focuses a little less on making sure everything's included story-wise and instead talks about why, why it happened and what it means and what does it show us and tell us about who God is, about God's character. And that's the gospel that we've been following. You know, one of the, uh, one of the benefits of that is uh, the, this uh, tradition of mine is that we get an extra Christmas every other year. <laughs> you know, we started off Lent with Christmas, the beginning of the gospel uh, of how God uh, was not was not satisfied watching us from a distance, but wanted to be among us and wanted us to know it. And so came as Jesus in the manger. You know that story. Then we read about Jesus going from place to place, teaching uh, and healing and setting things right. That's the justice side of things, setting it right. Nearly a quarter of the Gospel of John, almost 25% of it is spent on Jesus' last meal with his disciples uh, and the conversation and the prayer that they have together. And it begins with Jesus washing their feet, an act that was quite frankly dirty and disgusting and usually saved for the servants. But Jesus did the dirty work. Of course, he knew that he was about to do dirtier work still. And he's arrested in the garden. And as he was arrested, He spoke the name of God, his name, the name that God had spoken to Moses generations before. And when he said, I am, 600 soldiers fell to the ground, as it says. Jesus was, of course, crucified on the cross. He was tried, he was tortured, he was beaten, he was humiliated, and he was killed. And then... Easter happens. There was a garden in the place where Jesus was crucified, and in the garden was a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish preparation day and the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus in it. Early in the morning of the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Now, of course, it would be a little bit before she realized what exactly that was about. But I want to make the case today, at least the guess, that Mary had a hard time making herself get out of bed that day. You know, there's an article. It's funny how Easter comes, uh, comes to us in a little different way each year. This year, I felt Easter when I f- stumbled across an article in the New York Times. I'll put a link on our Facebook page later. You can come up and look. But the article is called, entitled, I didn't feel like going, but I'm so glad I did. 
my motto of the moment. <laughs> and in it, the writer perfectly captures what it feels like at this late stage of the pandemic. You know, I've been at Trinity for almost three years now. And can you believe this is the first time I've seen all of you on Easter? <laughs> it is. The pandemic started right before my first Easter here. So that first Easter was on lockdown. And the second one, well, we did have some people here. We were all spread out. Maybe you remember that to all the corners. Some of you watched on a TV downstairs. And, and now, well, we're in this place where we're almost used to it. Let me tell you part of what she says in the article. She says, going out and interacting with people again feels as if it's going to be difficult. And often it is, at least a little but I am always glad I did it. Now, she's from New York, so listen to this. Going out in the world means confronting people who intrude on our personal space or make demands on us or smear peanut butter on the subway poles. That sounds very specific. <laughs> people who maybe talk too loudly about an argument they had with their mother or snore in a movie theater. She says, I've been trying to remember that the unpredictability of shared social space also introduces the possibility of surprise and the chance of unexpected delight, which is half the joy of living near other people in the first place. And a little later, she adds a quote, if you don't do it, there's going to be something missing from your life. I didn't feel like going, but I'm so glad I did. You know, early in this COVID-19 thing, I learned the word languishing. It's when you're not quite depressed, but you're also not quite living either. You're just getting along from one day to the next because it's all you can do. You're just pushing through. Like I said, not depressed, but certainly not thriving either. I want to argue that we've developed a bit of a habit of languishing. Maybe it's just me, but maybe you resonate too. The habit of languishing where we have to learn to break that habit. We have to learn to go against our own desire to stay in our comfortable chair and to go out and do the things that are really living. We're not the first. You know, when Jesus was headed to the cross, he didn't feel like going. Certainly, that's an extreme one, right? I think of the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus uh, was praying and he cries out, God, don't make me do this. And it was paraphrased anyway. When Peter denied Jesus, he didn't feel like facing the truth. Everything had gone so bad that all he wanted to do was pull inside. And then there's Mary, Mary Magdalene, whom we read about this morning. You know, on Friday, she watched Jesus die on the cross. Everything had gone so badly that week, you know, or at least from her eyes, with the arrest, with, every, with the trials, with everything that happened, and finally Jesus' death. Everything had gone so badly, one after another, and she helped lay him in the tomb. After that was the Sabbath day, when it was tradition to stay home, to not go out, but also illegal to. So she would have stayed home entirely. And when Sunday morning came, I feel very comfortable in saying that there was, must have been a part of Mary Magdalene that did not feel like going back out. After all they had been through, after all they had seen, I can't imagine Mary didn't want to just stay home. But she loved Jesus enough 
to know that his body needed anointing and treated well. And so she got up and she went. And she was sure glad she did. Oh, was she glad she did. Here's how it, here's how it went. Mary stood outside near the tomb crying. As she cried, she bent down to look into the tomb. She saw two angels dressed in white, seated where the body of Jesus had been, one at the head and one at the foot. The angels asked her, woman, why are you crying? Mary, however, these are my words, was still in her habit of languishing. Everything had gone so wrong that she just assumed that this was going wrong too. And she replies, they have taken away my Lord. I don't know where they've put him. As soon as she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Still in her languishing, still assuming the next thing will be as bad as the worst, she thinks that the person she's talking to is the gardener of all people. <laughs> and so she replies, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go get him. And then Jesus spoke her name. And he said, Mary. She turned around and said to him in Aramaic, Rabunai, which means, means teacher. She knew in that moment that something remarkable had happened, that it was Jesus, that the next thing had not gone as bad as all the worse. And in fact, in a way that she had never seen coming, there had been a miracle and that everything was new, that everything was new. You know, it's amazing how subtle that choice can be. For Mary, it was the choice to get up and go to the tomb anyway that morning, even though she didn't want to. I'll tell you a couple of mine from recent times. Uh, the St. Louis Symphony came through. I saw a couple of you there, as a matter of fact. Uh, they were played at the Lead Center. And I grew up with, uh, in, in a musical family and uh, uh, love music de uh, dearly. And uh, uh, in another time, with more energy, would have leapt at the chance to hear the St. Louis Symphony. But this time, I just wanted to stay home. Like, I've had meetings at church, all this stuff. Go it's busy. I just want to sit in my chair. But thankfully, my wife made me go. <laughs> I didn't feel like going. But when I heard them, oh, man, I came alive. I came alive hearing how the harmonies blended together so perfectly and so much faster than other orchestras that I, I'm not, I won't go into all the things. You get the idea, right? It was wonderful. There was life there. There was another one where uh, on, on a Saturday... I knew that they had just had a second baby giraffe at the Lincoln Children's Zoo. There they are. <laughs> now, these are the first two giraffes ever to be born in Lincoln, and the second one has a, a, a special story uh, b behind it still. And I just wanted to stay home. I needed rest so bad. I did not feel like going. But when I saw those two baby giraffes walking around, I was so glad I went. I was so glad I was there to see that beautiful part of creation and to experience it with my kids and with my wife. 
I probably should have put up, I said this in first service too, uh, one of my pictures got photobombed by one of the grown-up giraffes. I was just about to get this perfect picture of a baby giraffe, and all of a sudden this giant head, blurry head, just goes right in front of the camera. But that's, that's I'll show you that one later if you want. <laughs> you ever get up on a Sunday morning and not feel like doing anything? Subtle of me, right? <laughs> Yet, there's something about what happens when we gather like this that is deeply good. This is what Easter is all about. Going to a symphony concert and choosing to appreciate art and effort and beauty over another night of TV, which surely has its place, but not every night. This is what Easter is about, going to see baby giraffes and basking in the beauty of God's creation in a way that would never happen if you stayed home. This is Easter, it's gathering to see what God has in store and God always, always has a blessed surprise if you look for it. Easter is life, living it, fully alive. And we don't always feel like going, but we're always glad we did. So, I have loved these graphics that we have had for this series, and I especially like this background graphic. You know, Molly Cox, our artist, make the, makes these for us, and we have a little online thing that we use to communicate and go back and forth until we find something good. And I told her that I wanted, uh, I wanted something that pictured light and life. Now, that's really helpful of me, right? How would you draw light and life? <laughs> so, she came up with this. That was the first draft. Now, that's really nice. And it has light and it has life. She did really good with my vague request. But as soon as I saw it, I knew I hated it. <laughs> I think I told her in nicer words than that. I should go back and look. Maybe I didn't. I don't know. I hope I was nice. <laughs> But here's why I was put off by it, you see. This is the sprout. Yeah, that shows life. But it shows life coming out of barrenness. You know, a tree stump is dead. And there are lots of places in the Bible where God brings life out of barrenness. In fact, that's important. And that's a, that's a sermon you'll hear me preach another time. My mind goes first to Ezekiel and the dry bones, if you know that story. You know, that life that comes out of the desert place. That's such a big part of our faith. But here's the thing. That's not what the Gospel of John is about. The message of Easter is not an unexpected sprout in the middle of the desert. You know, the cross was often referred to as the tree, and not in a nice way, not in a life-giving sort of sense, not how I usually think of trees. The cross was referred to as a tree more in the barren sense, in the sense of death. But what Jesus did was embrace the barrenness. He didn't let it stay barren. He showed that God doesn't just love the sprout. Jesus' death on the cross showed that God didn't just love the sprout, God loves the stump. God loves all of the dry, parched land. And through Jesus brings life, not just to the poor tree, 
but through Jesus transforms the whole darn world into life. This is Easter. This is resurrection. This is life not just for a tree, but for the whole world. This is what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will do in my life, in your life, and everywhere. Isn't it funny how often we don't feel like going? Yet we're always glad when we do. Today, I want to invite you to choose living. I want to invite you to make a commitment to life. For me, it was deciding to go to the symphony even when I didn't feel like it. It was choosing to see the baby giraffes with my kids even when I preferred my chair. I don't know what that commitment looks like to you. I'm sure it's different things than that. But I want to invite you to make a commitment to embrace them even when you don't feel like it. And I promise you, you will be glad you did. I know I'm glad that you chose life by coming here this morning. Would you bow your heads with me? You know, maybe that idea of languishing still sits with you. You know, that idea of not really being depressed, but not really living either. Maybe you've experienced this phenomenon, this sure glad I did phenomenon, and you're grateful. Or maybe you still long for it. Maybe you're experiencing it right now. Wherever you are, hold it before God. You're languishing, your gratitude for renewal, your longing, hold it before God. Oh God, this is what we have. This is where we are right now. You see us right where we are. You welcome us and you're grateful for us, we know. May the life-giving power of your resurrection bring life to our mortal bodies also. And all of God's children said, Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's Sunday Sermon. For more information on growth groups or how to more fully embrace the life of faith, visit us at www.trinitylincoln.org.